Hey, it is my privilege to share the word tonight. I'm very excited. Ex- I'm very excited about preaching. And um, I have something that has really been burning on my heart for a while and something that I'm actually really, really excited to share. The youth crew would know what I mean when I say sometimes I like to machine gun preach. And we might get a little bit of that tonight because uh, I, I have something that I'm very, very passionate about. But it all start. It all started with me looking over the decade. Everyone's posting their photos about what they've done in the last 10 years. And um, mine's pretty embarrassing. When I look over the last 10 years, I made some of the worst mistakes I've ever made. I also made the best decision I ever made, married Hannah. Best decision. But one such dumb decision was when Robbo, myself, and some other people went to his grandparents' house. And uh, Robbo was already there. And I was meeting him there. And does everyone know what a table drain is? It's those valleys on the side of a road that catch water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I was coming up to park outside Robbo's grandparents' house. And I parked my car into the table drain so that my car actually fell over. And I don't have a photo, so I drew this crude drawing in Instagram stories this afternoon to show you. So that's my, that's my trusty EF Falcon on the left. And the car fell like that. The drawing, as I said, is crude because the car was actually leaning on the the bank on the left. And that's me popping my head out and going, what did I just do? And this guy drove along in a patrol and he was like, hey, mate, do you need any help? And he had a winch. And I was like, so embarrassed. I was like, no, I'm all good. And he kept driving and I was like, "What, what the heck did I just do? And he came back and he was like, were you being sarcastic? Like, I can actually get you out. And I was like, uh, that's when I, I was about to say something else, but Levi shut me up and he was like, yes, actually, can you please? That would be great. That'd be fantastic. Uh, because Talith is about to arrive and I want to, you know, don't look like we've done anything silly anyway. So we got the car out, but that sort of story made me think about how sometimes people can just get too embarrassed to ask for help. You know, think about dads and the GPS, you know, you could just use Google Maps and you know it's going, to be, it's going to be accurate most of the time, but some dads just can't swallow it. And they've, they've just got to go and get directions or they've got to do it themselves. They've got to find their way somehow. And I think that's because getting help actually requires a subconscious admittance that someone else is going to be better at the job than you are going to be. So that's why we feel ashamed to ask for help in those sorts of times because we're subconsciously going, I'm admitting you're going to have the answer I'm not going to have the answer. And it can carry feelings of shame, but I don't know why it does because we, we're quite happy to admit that we need help in so many areas. For example, I got no idea how to make shoes. I don't know if anyone in this room could make a nice pair of sneaks. Maybe you can, but come see me afterwards. I'd love to get a pair of you. But anyway, look, we all trust someone else to make our shoes. I don't know if there's anyone here that could assemble a fridge, you know, all by themselves, you know, like make the parts, put the inverter together, whatever. We trust other companies to do it. So we're quite happy to ask for help and admit, hey, it's okay. You know, building fridges is not a strength of mine, but I'm going to ask someone else. But then we get to other areas of life and it's like, it's a little bit touchy. Like, we don't want to seem like we're no good at it. It's like, where it's a little bit shameful. One thing I think about is like financial advice. People think, oh yeah, I'll handle my finances myself. And I consider myself to be pretty all right with finances. But we got, Hannah and I got a financial advisor. And our finances are way better with our financial advisor than they would have been by myself. And sometimes when I say that, you know, I've got a financial advisor, people 
uh, a bit like, aren't you good with like, like, aren't you like, you know, you're not dumb. Like, why do you need a financial advisor? And I'm just admitting that, hey, there's someone out there who's got their head in finance 24-7, is looking at the market, looking at investments, you know, looking at loans, banks, all that sort of stuff, and they actually know way better than I do. And so I'm quite happy to admit that I, uh, that person's way better at it than me. But then we get to things like mental health. And so many people are ashamed. So many people are ashamed to get help. And that prevents them from accessing the help that they need. There's plenty of services out there. But when people feel ashamed about that sort of thing, it stops them from getting the help that they need. Drug and alcohol addictions, porn addictions. It's actually okay to get help. It's not shameful. And it's interesting to me that people would rather wear, rather wear the label of tired, broke or drunk as a badge of honour as opposed to realising the destructive effect that it can have on their life and find a place or a person that can help them to put their life back together. And people might laugh along with you when you call yourself broke or drunk or tired, but anyone who actually cares deep down about you would probably really long for that to not be a definition of who you are. My, I had a family member who was pretty severely addicted to drugs and one thing that he used to say is like, man, that like the drugs fry your brain and, and my brain's never going to be any good anymore. And I just wish that I had the chance to help him find the services and, and the people that he needed to find in order to ensure that, you know, because his brain didn't have to stay like that, but he could have found people that could have helped. And, uh, and I think there's some serious things like that, but I want to hit some of that stuff like, you know, being broke seems to be a catchphrase that people are happy to say over themselves. And I don't know if it's actually a badge of honour. So my message tonight is called Badges of Dishonour. Too, too many people are wearing them. And now just prepare yourself because I'm going to ask some really confronting questions tonight that you might not like. But let's be ready to wrestle with this in our hearts. Because the best types of messages, the times that God is going to change your life, are the times when you actually let yourself wrestle with the Word. Coming to church is not just about letting God pat you on the head, but it's about looking to see how God can change your life in a good way. So I was thinking about badges of dishonour, how our generation seems so happy to label themselves as drunk or wasted or whatever. And it made, it made me think about these shirts that I've seen for sale and that people are quite happy to wear. I wanted to just show a few of them. Here's one, wasted youth. Someone's quite obviously happy to say that their youth was completely wasted. Or maybe they're still a youth and they're saying, you know, I'm going to continue to waste it. Next one. We've got faded. Someone who's not, you know, who, someone who wears that as a statement is saying, you, you know, don't expect much more out of me because I'm just faded all the time. Next one. We've got bad habits. You know, if you're going to put that on a shirt, it kind of seems to me like you're not going to put any effort to actually make some good habits. You're just going to sit around and accept your bad habits. Next one. We've got tired. This one was actually one that made me laugh and I thought about buying. But now that I, like, when it came to this message and I actually thought about it, I thought, why would you walk around and just go, yeah, I'm just tired all the time? You can actually do something about that. And maybe there's medical issues in the way, that sort of thing. But um, don't just sit around and give up. And this last one is maybe one of the saddest ones. I saw this when I was on holidays. I saw it at a calendar shop. The 2020 calendar, a brand new year to fill with bad decisions and regret. 
Now, anyone who walks into a year and says, I can't wait to fill my year with bad decisions and regret, it, it might be funny for a second, but I, I find it weird that people are willing to label that and almost declare that, that that's going to be their year, that they're going to have even more bad decisions and even more regret. It's like a, I, I can't believe they put it on a calendar. They're wearing it like a badge of honor, but yet I, I definitely would see it as a badge of dishonor. So things like this, you know, being broke is not a badge of honor because you're in a place of financial weakness that is threatening your future. And whether being broke is from your decisions or something out of your control, that's not what I'm zeroing in on. It's okay to be broke. But as long as, as long as you haven't decided that you've just given up and you're wearing it as a label rather than using that as a motivation to change your situation. So my prayer for all of us throughout this message is that we wouldn't just shut the door on situations past. That we wouldn't just settle for what we've had in the past or what we have right now, but we would choose walking into a new year that I'm going to change the label, that I'm going to change the badge, that we wouldn't just label ourselves stuck in areas where God can bring breakthrough, that we wouldn't just put down the boxing gloves because we couldn't deal with it in 2019, but actually 2019 is a, 2020 is a fresh opportunity for me to pick up the gloves again. I'm not going to accept this as a label just because I couldn't deal with it last year doesn't mean the fight is over. So let's see some things in our life change for good. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 20, Paul is talking to a group of people here, not just one person. This is something that the people were facing. And this is something that I feel like we're all facing. And Paul says, you are actually allowing these imposters to put you into bondage, take complete advantage of you and rob you blind. How easily you seem to endure those who in their arrogance destroy your dignity or even slap you in the face. And Paul is looking at the Corinthians for who are, settle, who are settling for way less than what they deserve. And he's talking about certain people taking advantage of them who are external. But I believe he would feel the exact same way about things on the inside that are holding us bondage, things that are on the internal that are holding us back. Because it seems to me that people are exactly like this. They seem so happy to be slapped around. They seem so happy to be pushed into the ground. They seem so happy to have their lives destroyed. People, you know, they, we, we seem to know what is bad for us, but yet we continue to do it. People know that fats and all that sort of stuff are bad for us, but yet we continue to eat more and more of them. People know that um, drinking alcohol just fries your brain cells, but yet we still choose to do it. Same with drugs, same with looking at porn, same with so many other things in life. This, we seem to know, but we somehow don't have the motivation to change. And Paul is looking at them and going like, man, there's so much more for you. There's a better life available to you. I can't believe how easily you let this stuff happen to you. And, and this is something, this is the fire and the pain that I feel as I was preparing this and wanting to bring this tonight, because, you know, I'm just a wee little fella. I'm still young, but I've seen enough of my friends get stuck in destructive loops that it makes me passionate enough that I want to talk about it and passionate enough that I want to see people who are under bondage of things like alcohol, drugs, porn, money, whatever. I want to see people get freed of that. I want to see a generation that's not full of regrets and hurts, that doesn't walk into a new year so feeling so pushed back by the last year that they just label it as them and give it, a, give it a rest. And it hurts me on the inside because I know God has so much more for all of us. I asked the creative 
um, team, if when we sung that song, Who You Say I Am, if we could put on the screen all the promises of God, all the things that God says we are, who God says we are, the labels that God has for us, not the labels that we have for ourselves. And one of the ones that I love about that and that the song sings so obviously is that if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. That's John eight thirty six. And so whatever you're in, in bondage to, whatever you're being held back by in life, you got to know that the Son has set you free. Jesus Christ has set you free. And if you're set free, then you are free indeed. Jesus Christ helps us to overcome every obstacle in life that gets thrown our way. And we don't have to live our lives in slavery to things that are going to destroy our life. And I feel like maybe too many of us have allowed a struggle in life to become a label in life. One of my favorite messages that Pastor Dean preached was called Tolerate to Integrate. And struggles and things that we have, we seem to tolerate them for a certain period of time and then there becomes a time where we're no longer tolerating it, but we just have integrated it and it becomes part of our life. Like I had a, um, have a, someone that I know who seems to always get into continual debt and then they try and pay off their debt and then they keep getting into debt. And they just laugh it off and, and just say, lol, I'm just broke all the time. And, and they've just, what was once a struggle for them, they've just tolerated it and then they began to integrate it. And so I think sometimes these things can be hard to identify because sometimes, we've, sometimes we have integrated them into our lives. And sometimes we've made these labels something that we say so obviously, we don't even realize that it's an issue. Some people are so used to saying that they're unemployed that it's just part of who they are. It's, it's not actually a motivation to go out and get a job or to, to look for a job. And so before you get around to dealing with this stuff, there's actually something really important that we need to do. This is my first point, is we've got to let hope rise. That's a line of a song that I really love. We've got to let hope rise. And if you want your 2020 to look different, I've got to tell you, it doesn't come passively. You don't just sit around and let it happen. It takes some time to actually sit down and think about where you're at. Where's your life at right now? It takes time to sit down and think about it. And then those things that you've been facing, that unemployment that you've been facing, that issue of finance that you just always seem to be broke that you've been facing, whatever issue it is, it's time to actually let hope rise once again, to actually think about that thing that you're facing and then start to think about what God might want to do in your life. So you've got to actually start to think about what badges you're wearing and decide to let hope rise once again. So a few questions to really help us with this. What are you struggling to overcome right now? What is it that you're struggling to overcome? Or where have you labeled yourself to excuse yourself from finding breakthrough? I think that's so easy to do. We just label ourselves. That's just who I am. That's just how I've always been. And we use it as an excuse to not find breakthrough. Sometimes, though, these questions are actually not even helpful because, like I said before, we've actually integrated a struggle. So we've got to let hope rise for breakthroughs that maybe we don't even realize we need. So some questions to help you with that. Where do you find yourself short in life? Is it with money? Is it with energy? Your time? That sort of thing? Where do you find yourself frustrated that you, you know, that you find yourself short in life? And then the follow-up question to that is, what are some of the biggest hogs of resource in that area? If you find yourself struggling with money, 
Maybe it's time to look at what are some of the biggest transactions that you have in your uh, bank account right now. And you might realize pretty quickly what's swallowing your money. When I worked at Sam's Warehouse, we used to get uh, takeaway lunch all the time. And Cam and I were having a laugh about it because we just loved getting it all the time. And then we both had this joint realization that we'd spent around $120 on junk food in one week. And I was like, man, if I actually want any sort of money, like, here's the problem right here. And, and so I, I was serious before talking about these really big bondages that people face, but sometimes it's even things like that. We face bondages around our money. Maybe it's that you have 10 afterpays coming out every week, every fortnight. Maybe think about where you find yourself short. Maybe it's with time. And then maybe soon you realize when you do what Robbie did and look at the screen time thing on your app, you realize, man, I, I really feel like I don't have much spare time these days, but my phone says I'm spending an average of five hours a day on my phone. Hello. Surely that's, sorry, so surely that's obvious. Where are you finding yourself short? Money, time, maybe it's energy. Well, maybe you need to look at your sleep patterns. Maybe you need to look at how many energy drinks that you're drinking. Maybe you need to look at your coffee consumption. Maybe you need to look at your sugar intake. Maybe you need to get Matt Betts to write you up a diet plan. Sorry if you're not accepting new clients, Matt, but... (laughs) What is it? Afterpay, unhealthy eating, social media. You know, whatever label that you've accepted for your life, it might be a label from others someone who's really hurt you. It might be a label from a close, someone close to you, someone who didn't believe in the potential of your life. It might be a label from yourself, a label that you've placed on yourself. But whatever label it is, uh, I want to encourage you to compare that to the labels that God puts on your life, like what we put on the screen during that song. And I want to ask the question, are you wearing a badge or carrying an identity that is not the description for a child of God? And any sort of badge in that area, that's something that you need to work on this year. That's something that you need to hand over to God this year. Anyone who, who has been using the hashtag broke or drunk or something like that, uh, I, if, I guarantee you, you're not going to find that as a promise of God for your life. And so maybe that's a labor that we need to sort of hold back on a little bit and, and maybe even drop. You want to know, I know social media is not in the Bible, but even when Paul is writing his letters to John, he's, he even says, I wish I could be there in person with you to explain this. And he's even saying like, I'm just literally writing this letter because I have to, but face to face, man, that's, that's the bee's knees. And I'm sure if he was texting that on Instagram, he'd say the same thing. I'm sure he'd say, man, I, I wish I didn't have to do it this way. I would rather be in person. And man, sometimes we are letting these things take over our life that are not what God promises for us. So I want to encourage you to compare where you're at, compare the labels that you have to the labels that God puts on your life. And see what the differences are. And so as 2020 seals away 2019, if you've been dealing with something that you've carried into this year, it can be really tempting to put on a new label, to label yourself. Maybe at the beginning of last year, you had a job and then you lost it and then you haven't had a job since. And it's tempting to call yourself that unemployed friend. Or maybe everyone else has money and they're doing it and you're tempted to call yourself that broke friend. Or maybe you, you know, picked up a, um, a binge drinking habit and you're just tempted to make that who you are. Man, don't let 2020 or seal the fate of that and don't allow yourself to put a label on your life 
Let's believe for a very different year this year because Jesus, he can reopen those doors that you thought were closed. He can help you fight those battles that you thought you lost strength for. He can tear off the labels that you're wearing and create a new person from the inside out. And it was really tempting for me as I was writing this to go, oh, the natural next step is to go, you know what, whatever you're facing with, let's turn that into a New Year's resolution. But I don't actually feel like that's really helpful because there's something more powerful than you can, that you can do other than just simply make a resolution. And Paul talks about it really shortly after he says that to the Corinthians. Just in the next chapter, he talks about it. In 2 Corinthians 12, he says, So I'm not, I'm not defeated by my weakness, but I'm actually delighted which is kind of a bit weird that he's delighted by his weakness. But what I see there is Paul's actually letting hope rise. He sees his weakness and he's like, man, here's an opportunity for God to move. He's letting hope rise within his heart that God's going to do something in his life. Paul knows that he can't do it, but he knows that God can step in and do a miracle. I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. Man, some of us need to not feel so defeated by our weakness and use that as an excuse to slap a label on, but actually not be delighted in the weakness, but be delighted that, man, there's an area for God to move in my life. The next part says, for when I feel weakness and whenever I endure mistreatment, whenever I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I'm yet made stronger. For my weakness becomes a great list to use as New Year's resolutions. Nah, just kidding. Paul said, for my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. And I want to speak that over every single person's life today. Your weakness is actually a portal for God's power to move in your life. That's so relieving for me to read right there. That's so relieving for me to hear right there. That my weakness is the portal to God's power. Because that means that I don't have to struggle with it. That means I don't have to put in every last ditch effort. I don't have to lose my breath trying to work on my weakness because God is going to do something in it. That's God's area to shine. So I don't want to get you to make a New Year's resolution. I want you to do what Paul did. That's what I call the handover. And Paul did a complete handover to God when it comes to his weaknesses. So what does that look like? That looks like not trying to tackle it yourself. Not making it a New Year's resolution. Not giving up and saying, oh, well, I guess this is who I am. It looks like actually releasing your grip of it and allowing someone else to call the shots. Big G. It's not a handover if you're still the one calling the shots. Too many people are praying and saying, God, I give this to you. But then they call the shots themselves later on. God, I'm giving this to you. I really want to be free of this pornography addiction. But then they make the decision later on when they look at a girl that they're going to allow lust to reside in their heart. They, they give it over to God, but then you get, to the, you get to the point of decision and it's like, I'm still calling the shots here. I still want to look at this girl with lust, but God, I want you to still free me of this porn addiction. Whatever it is, it's got to be more than just a prayer. The handover is an everyday decision to consult the better opinion of how to handle your life. Big G. So here's some confronting questions. Are you willing to be wrong about how to deal with some of your life's issues? Because too often we think we know what we're doing and we've tried it again and again, but it didn't work. And if we want to hand something over to God, we've got to be willing to be wrong about the way to deal with it. We've got to be willing to go, you know what? I actually don't know how this works. And then when we seek God and he actually gives us a plan, Are you willing to find and trust a process that you don't understand? 
And that's the hardest thing. Trusting a process that you don't understand because you thought it would work this way. You thought it would happen like that. You thought X plus Y equals Z over here. But the way that God does it is sometimes so completely different to the way that we think it should happen. It's kind of weird when we find out. Is that really how, is that really how I find freedom in that area? So you've, if you want to find breakthrough, it's more than just praying to God and saying, God, help me. But you've actually got to get to a posture of being willing to say, God, I'm going to let you call the shots, even when I don't understand. And this is why we journal. This is an act of me handing my life over to God every single day. Rather than waking up and calling the shots myself, I'm seeking God and seeking his word to see how he wants me to live my life. And, and, and this seems to be the answer for almost every message that I preach. I somehow keep coming back to journaling because this is so flippant simple. If there was clickbait, it would say, learn this one simple trick to see how this man changed his whole life around with just five minutes a day. You know, that actually gets people. And yet when we say it from church, you sit there and go, yeah, I want God to change my life. But I'm not really even willing to read verse of the day. And there's a disconnect there. If you want God to change your life, then it's time to go seek some information from the source. So you could ask the question, how much do you want breakthrough? And then does your level of seeking God actually match your desire to see change? Because some people want breakthrough so, so much, but they don't funnel that desire into a desire to journal and and seek God. And that's the disconnect. That's where we actually hand our lives over to God and say, you know what? I'm struggling with this right now. I need to seek God. I know that he knows the best way to do it. So I'm going to seek him about it. And, uh, And this is something that sometimes it actually gets me really angry that, you know, it's so simple, but yet people just choose that they don't have time for it. People just go, you know, I ran out of time in the day or I just didn't, I was starting to read, I'd read a couple of verses, but I really wasn't feeling it. And it's like, man, if if you go to the gym, who's feeling push-ups? Like who, who, who's like, oh, damn, yeah, I'm really feeling this workout. No, it hurts and it's hard and you're going to sweat and it sucks. But guess what? You're going to get somewhere in life. And if you want to get somewhere with God, It's easy, just journal. And I'm really trying to prevent myself from screaming right now because the answer is so simple. So question, have you made journaling a habit instead of a one-off ditch effort to find God? Some of us keep journaling for those times where we're really desperate or seeking God for those times where we're really desperate. But it's got to become a habit of our life. We're making decisions every day, so surely we should seek someone who knows how to make those decisions every day not just at the beginning of the year when we're facing something really big or when there's a huge thing happening over here or over there in our life. But every day we need to hear from God. There's still a process to follow. So when Hannah and I got our financial advisor, uh, we, we set goals and that led to a plan, but we actually still had to follow that plan. I actually had to stop eating junk food I actually still had to stop buying so many clothes. I actually had to stay accountable to a budget. And, you know, I've seen other people engage in financial advice as well. And then it doesn't work for them because they get the advice, but then they don't follow it. They're like, you know what? I'm still going to call the shots here. And they, they think that it's going to work out somehow, but you actually have to, you have to allow someone else to call the shots. 
So a handover this year would be one of the best things that you could ever do. Handing over your struggles, your bondage, whatever it is to God. And a handover means I'm giving you the keys, God. It means I'm not coming back to try and take control. You don't just pray it away to God, but you actually seek His advice and actively follow it. You don't just attend church, but you let God play a part in your life and follow His ways. And you're going to face some uncomfortability, but determine from the outset to make the uncomfortable, honourable choices rather than the easy choices. And make the decision in your heart, not just to appease others. So what are you going to hand over this year? What is it going to look like for you? Because God can only work in the places where you choose to lose that grip in your life. Don't just ask God to help you with your porn addiction. Follow His advice of taking captive every thought every day. You won't find yourself at a place of execution if your thoughts are snuffed early in the process. Don't just say, God, I need financial breakthrough. If you're not willing to follow through and actually tithe, snip your credit card or cancel your afterpay. If you need alcohol to have a good time or to numb your pain, then a handover for you means choosing every day of the path of self-control. It's a choice every single day. And choosing God as your refuge in times of strength, sorry, in times of need. The bottle is the easy option, but God is the truly fulfilling option. So question, are you prepared to hand your struggles over to God every day? Are you prepared to seek God more than just once for help? I know that that's a bit of a hard roast and it's a bit of a hard road to walk, but it's worth it. And I tell you what, even I've got stuff that I want to leave behind in 2019. But I know just like what Paul said, that's going to be where God kicks in. My weakness is the portal to God's power. So it's time to, you know, like those cop movies, turn in your badge and your weapon. It's time today to hand over those badges of dishonor. You know, the cop's in the movies always struggle to hand it over because it's like this is part of who I am and this is what I make decisions out of and people think I'm cool because I have it so you've got to be ready to look a little bit uncool you've got to be ready to lose a bit of your identity a little bit of who you were and take on a new identity that God wants to instill in your life are you ready to turn in your badge are you ready to live a life described by a different identity that's actually given by God you can't just relabel your life into a different one, you've actually got to perform an active handover every single day on the inside. And if you're willing to go on the journey, it means you've got a little bit of work to do. You've got a little bit of, you're going to need a little bit of courage and perseverance. You can't just sit around anymore. But I truly believe that if we actively hand things over to God this year, 2020 can be a year where we drop the things that have held us back. 2020 can be a year where we look at as a milestone moment. And 2020 can be the year where we reset the trajectory of our life. When I look back in 2030 on 2020, I want to be smiling with gladness, not laughing at me driving into a table drain. That's in a humorous sense, but there's so many of us here that I'm sure by the end of next year, you would love to get rid of that addiction. You would love to get rid of your reliance on that thing. You would love to reclaim some space in the area of your finances, in the area of your time. You would love to be in relationships that are actually wholesome and relationships that are putting into your life rather than leeching from you and drawing every last emotional sap that you have. I'm sure so many of us want to see change in some way, shape or form. So let's not just make it a New Year's resolution. Let's choose every day I'm going to actively hand it over to God. I'm going to seek His advice. I'm not going to call the shots anymore. I want to pray for you guys. So could you just stand for a moment?
Lord, I just thank you for every single person here. People who have hit the bed crying at night time, people who have punched walls in frustration, people who have been so ashamed when people put labels on them for things that they really feel like they're struggling with. People those fr- those frustrate that have those frustrations on the inside that feel like they can't break free of this one thing. Lord, I pray that you'd give us some comfort tonight, God, that you would let hope rise in every heart here, that there is a better future ahead. Lord, that you have the keys. Lord, that you know how to help us move forward and that this year as we engage in you, as we hand over to you, Lord, that you're going to really get alongside us and help us. God, and it's going to be hard, but I just pray for each and every single person that you'd help us to have the courage, the strength, Lord, to push in and to to really grind our teeth and just get into it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Just keep your eyes closed right now. And uh, and I want to pray for anyone here. Maybe this is your first time in church. Maybe this is the first time you've heard about a God that actually wants to set you free or a God that actually loves you, a God that says you're chosen, a God that wants to see you do well in life, wants to see you be the head and not the tail, a God that says you are victorious, a God that will never let you down. This moment right now is a moment where we can all figure out, you know, what's been happening in my life, where where am I at? And I want every single person here to do that. And you've probably already done it moving into the new year. But just thinking about, you know, where am I at with God? And if you want to choose to make God a big part of your life, if you want to, maybe you've never followed God before and you want to choose to put God at the center of your life and let Him call the shots, then this moment's for you. The reason that it works so well is because we were actually designed to do life with God. The reason that living with God leads to such an abundant life is because that's how He designed us. But whenever we call the shots ourselves, make mistakes, the Bible calls it sin whenever we do that sort of stuff, that actually pulls us that little bit further away from God. But I love that the Bible describes in the Gospels that Jesus Christ came to set us free from that. Who the Son sets free is free indeed, so that we would be free to be in relationship with God again. And so this moment is for you right now to understand and know that God is calling out your name. God wants to do life with you if you would just reach out to Him and let Him play an active part in your life. And if you've never chosen to let God into your life before, can you just raise your hand right now? And I want to pray for you. Every, everyone keep your eyes closed. Just pop your hand up right now. Great. Awesome. One, two, yep, you can put your hands down once you put it up. Two people already. Anyone else is the first time you've ever made that decision? Anyone here? I want to pray for you. Yep, awesome, thank you. Maybe you've walked with God, maybe you've been coming to church for a while and you you just need to put God back in the center of your life. This moment's for you too. I want to pray for you as well. Just pop your hand up if you just want to put God right back in the center of your life. You want to let Him call the shots again. Just pop your hand up and I'll pray for you as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Anyone else? Yep, great. Yep, awesome. Four people already, five. Yep, thank you. Lord, I just pray for these people those who are making this decision for the first time and those who are coming back to you again. God, I pray that as they seek you out, they would find you, they would find the real you, they would find the love, the peace, the acceptance that they long for. And Lord, I pray that 
you'll just be with them in every step of their journey. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to pray this prayer. We're going to pray it out loud. We're going to pray it as a family. We're going to pray it all together. And this just solidifies the decision that you just made if you put your hand up. And so pray this from your heart. Hey, don't just read words on a screen, but make this your prayer. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I will follow you. Amen. Amen. Well, let's give a round of applause for people who just made that choice. And hey, that's, that's why we're here. I just love seeing anyone take steps towards God because I just know that you're in for a good time. God's going to really come in and begin to help you out. And uh, Keely's going to talk a little bit more about that.